Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 27 minutes to 9, the time. Time for your Mediated Conversation this morning. There are now more and more reports that there are people who are, qualifi- who are qualified as doctors who are not able to find jobs in our health system, that we also have a shortage of doctors. Time and time again, we're told of situations where there are not enough doctors in hospitals. Many times we've heard of patients having to wait for hours or even days to get some kind of treatment. And yet, we also know of cases where doctors literally cannot get work. In some cases, this means doctors are just sitting at home. In other cases, doctors have qualified but have to wait a long time to get a position in a hospital to do their community service. So then what is going wrong with the system and why do we have doctors sitting at home when we have such a crying need for doctors? This is your mediated conversation this morning. Firstly, the situation facing our doctors. Dr. Mvisi Mzokwa is the chair of the South African Medical Association. Then the need for doctors. Russell Rensberg is the director of the Rural Health Advocacy Project And finally, what's happening in the health department or maybe the provincial health departments that leads to this? Dr. Percy Mahlati is the Deputy Director General for Hospital Services in the National Health Department. Uh, We start then, of course, with Dr. Mvisi Mzukwa, who is the Chair of the South African Medical Association. Dr. Mzukwa, good morning and thanks for your time. Good morning to you, Steve Ovo, and to your uh, team and your listeners and the panelists. Thanks for having me. What problems are young doctors facing? Why does it seem that we keep hearing stories about some doctors being unemployed? Well, Steve Ovo, what we've heard from the Department of Health is that there is not enough budget to employ uh, doctors in the the public health uh, care system. Um, and um, which really is is a, a big problem because we've got a, a dire shortage of doctors, as you know. Uh, we 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 know now that we've got about zero point three per thousand uh, patients, and uh, in the private sector, about one point seven five per thousand. So it tells you that um, we we're still short because according to the World Health Organization, we're supposed to be having one is to a thousand. So we, we, we really need a lot of uh, doctors to occupy those spaces in the public sector. Um, this is, um, we've seen obviously the, 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 the decline in the budget as allocated by Treasury. We've seen a decline of about 1%, you know, uh, for, the, for, for the past few years now. But the problem is we've, lo- we've even before COVID, we've been short of uh, uh, healthcare workers, especially doctors, but some of them passed on during the, the period of COVID. So, and, and the problem, uh, Steve, is not that we're not producing enough. We are producing enough. Um, they do their, com- their internship, they do their community service. Then after community service, the system don't don't seem to be able to absorb them and retain them in the public sector so that, you know, we fill in the gaps, you know, and the shortages that we fill there because we know that those that are on the ground are feeling the pinch in terms of being uh, uh, overloaded by the work and overwhelmed, you know, by the numbers that they, they see. But the other thing is, um, when we do that, we then uh, cause a problem where you could uh, have uh, uh, easy litigation and stuff like that. Because if one doctor, for example, makes uh, sees about 80 to 100 patients in the outpatient department a day, somewhere, somewhere like that, it could lead to uh, many mistakes and it could lead to uh, litigation. But who in the public sector, uh, which, which patient or which person 
would want to be seen by a hungry doctor because when you have such long, many patients in, in in the hospital you just can't go to to lunch you 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 are, you are scared that you know some of these people are coming from afar so you can't you could just take lunch and and leave them like that some of them are using public transport so that's a challenge that we are facing now we do have a planning we do plan but the problem is with the implementation and still the other thing that we are calling for as the south african medical association we are calling for treasury to bail out the department of health if they can do with other useless uh, 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 state entities who are really uh, a liability to state why can't they bail out the department of health if that's a problem but the department of health itself they need to be able to manage effectively so that money is done by skinny jeans and all these silly things that are done in the department of health do we know how many doctors are sitting at home has anyone been able to compile a hard figure i realize that could be quite difficult yes it's correct steve but the south african medical association has started that process at the moment we are sitting at about 343 and we are still counting we don't dispute the figure that is being touted outside there you know in the media and stuff like that but we're talking about official figures that we have as the south african medical association okay does this only happen to younger doctors or can it happen to older more experienced doctors too Yes we do see uh, even older doctors who like for example those who complete uh, specializations they've been doctors general practitioners in the public sector they specialize and then thereafter they cannot be absorbed by the system because the same uh, reason there is no money so those people what they do they go uh, either they go here uh, to the private sector or else they go abroad but the problem is if we are training using taxpayers money we're training people to go out you know and we're training for other countries and we leave our country like this and we call that uh, brain drain isn't it uh, when actually we are uh, making the environment conducive for doctor to live in fact some of them don't want to leave the country they've got families they've got everything some of them have businesses in the country they don't want to leave but when they are pushed like that and for example steve if you look at those young doctors i mean uh, if you those doctors are are wanted by this uh, this the rich countries like canada and stuff like that because south african doctors are well trained they are needed elsewhere in the world so if you just leave them like that they'll be absorbed by the world and it's hard to get them back um so in the end for you the problem is the health department or the provincial health department they don't have enough money to pay the salaries in the end the root cause is probably the management of money it's it's a combination of factors steve it's uh, the the budgetary constraints but also the poor coordination you will recall that you know um uh, some of these provinces they send students to chuba no to to russia and stuff like and dump them there because they've got no money to let them finish their studies so they they come back in the system they 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 can't do anything because they are not known the numbers are not known to the department of health because provinces have not given that information to the department to the national department of health but also the implementation of the plan it's not enough to plan we do need to implement and that's what is lacking in this regard 
Thank you very much indeed, Dr. Mvayisim Zukwa. Really appreciate the time. Chair of the South African Medical Association here, starting off your SAFM-mediated conversation this morning. 20 minutes now to nine. The conversation, of course, why it is that we have some doctors sitting at home when we have such a shortage of doctors. Russell Rensberg is the director of the Rural Health Advocacy Project. Russell, good morning. Uh, good morning, Stephen. Good morning uh, to the fellow panelists and to the listeners. You represent hospitals and clinics. You work with hospitals and clinics in rural areas. What kind of need is there for doctors? Look, I think there's an exceptional need for doctors, right? And I think one of the things that I identified in the, the Human Resources for Health Strategy 2030 is really the maldistribution of capacity within the system. You know, um, we have a very complex health system with like various levels and very hospice-centric, right? So a lot of the community service doctors often get absorbed in these big urban complexes, right? Where the posts are. So the issue of doctor shortages is a massive one, but there are limitations. And I think one of the things that we have to start thinking about is despite all the money that South Africa spends on healthcare, our outcomes are really not that great. And I think this crisis presents us an opportunity to really start thinking about where capacity is needed how we need to change planning, because the strategy is just at a high level. I think what we need is service planning at a provincial level. And we also have to look at different ways of bringing doctors into the system. But the limitation that the exists is that the state can only employ what it can fund. You know, if it doesn't have the money, it can't employ doctors. And if it doesn't update the post scales, most of these hospital cardiograms were developed in 2009 and haven't been updated since. The underlying disease burdens have changed. What's happening in our, in our hospitals is more and more unknown. We all know that healthcare needs are unlimited, but we don't know whether we are meeting the needs of the broader population or whether there are different strategies that we can approach, especially in rural areas, where we need greater investments in district hospitals and district health teams to address large quantities of unmet need. But it's not a simple solution. And I think what we need to start doing is start figuring out what our health system needs right now and what are the steps that we need to take to better structure the health system to meet the needs of the broader population, particularly those with the greatest need. But this is a difficult challenge. I mean, globally, there's about 18 million shortages of, of reported by the WHO. So this is not a uniquely South African thing. And very many, many countries, particularly low and middle income countries, struggle to get to the right percentages. South Africa, coincidentally, does qu- exceeds the requirement for UHC in the African content, which is about 30-odd healthcare workers per 100,000 of the population. And I think when the last week, when we did the strategy in 2019, it was sitting at something like 45 per 100,000. So in some measures, we're doing okay. But it's really whether we're meeting the needs of the people that we're serving. I presume one of the problems is where doctors actually are. Probably a lot more doctors in the sort of square mile of Santon than they are in much of the Eastern Cape. Indeed they are. You know, obviously you follow the money, right? How it works is, I mean, you even look at, look, even GPs struggle in the South African system. I was looking at um, Council of Medical Schemes data, right? And it gives us really an indication of the problem in our system where the bulk of the money paid out by medical schemes is primarily to specialists and hospital groups. Doctors make up a very small percentage of that. So in some ways, we're underutilizing even the capacity that we have in GPs. And I think that's one of the reasons why we need to start thinking about how we manage care. Even in the public sector, we're spending large amounts on large hospital complexes. And even though money for district health services is improving, it isn't necessarily translating into better health outcomes. 
So yes, there's a lot of capacity in the system. Yes, there's the limitation of money. And I think right now we need to start looking for ways and means that we can use the available capacity that we have to really set us up to strengthen district health services in the first instance. And that will also lead to things like better pandemic preparedness so that when the next epidemic comes and it will come, you know that we are better equipped to deal with it. It's quick for us to forget, but in, over the last 20 years, South Africa has like, faced many, many health challenges that sort of changed the structure of our health system. We had uh, the world's largest HIV pandemic, and we managed over the last 20 years to get over that, where HIV is largely under control. But during COVID, we also saw the limitations. 105,000 people died with the COVID diagnosis, but the excess deaths was almost three times that. And even just 80% of that represented many people weren't able to access care where they were. And a lot of that can be directly linked to poor capacity at the primary healthcare level. Um, so, we, so we need a new thinking. And I presume we also need particular specialities in certain areas. I would imagine finding a specialist who will be in a rural area in the Eastern Cape is almost unheard of. Well, it is, but I think there are different innovations. And I think one of the things that we have been training a lot of is family physicians who are general specialists and can be that specialist of first call. And I, I think we have to figure out ways of how we better deploy them. At the moment, they're part of um, I can't DCSD's district specialist teams that support district hospitals with some of that care, but they will never be enough. But I think we, we will never have enough capacity to meet all the health needs. And I think as a country, we need to come closer to our constitutional obligation and start giving life to what we mean by progressive realization. And by progressive realization doesn't mean that we have to prioritize those groups with the least access. Doesn't mean that we have to invest in better health, health management information systems so that we can understand who we're treating, where we're treating, and who's left behind. And can we use those kind of information sets to really start doing HR or health service planning in a, diff, in a different way rather than just this passive approach of waiting to patients for patients to come? And we end up seeing people very, very late often when we can't really assist them. Um, well, I was going to come to this. I mean, this shortage of doctors in certain areas must actually lead to people literally losing their lives. Um, that's how bad the shortage must be in some places. Indeed, you know, and I think you just have to look at life expectancy. You know, um, that's one of the successes of South Africa is that we've increased life expectancy to at least like 60 odd years from 55 at one point. But that's the general figure. When you look at the sub-district level, one of the things that we were involved in was working with National Treasury on a district health funding formula. And we used like UHC data developed by the, the uh, from health data that's published in the district health barometer. And there's variations across the countries and often across the country or in between districts and particularly in the rural areas, we have lower life ex expectancy than what you have in the general population. And there's also differences in life expectancy between the haves or the 20% and the 80%. And so there's other factors that also contributed to poor health outcomes and poor um, notification of disease. So really we have to figure out a way of, of the health system and the health capacity being more responsive to the needs of the people who have had the least access. And I think that needs to be an intentional act. If we try and do everything for everybody, we're gonna do very little body, very little for nobody. And I think the key to that is really to improving governance is better use of data and less use of, of, of anecdotal experience. And we need to drill down what's happening in our hospitals. How can we better utilize that capacity, where the capacity is needed? And I think that's the next step in HRH planning. 
Do you believe there will be a change? I mean, I mean, sometimes when you have budget cuts, it's the moment to make a change. Uh, you talk about organograms and hospitals that haven't changed for years. I mean, clearly this is a good moment to do it. Well, you know, obviously here's going to be the much contested topic. The health reforms that are being presented under the National Health Insurance, this could be a path to that. Because one of the some of the interventions that they introduced there is really breaking up the different levels of the health systems and allocating budgets and autonomy where they are. You know, so one of the things that they could that they're considering doing, and there's a lot of planning in the regulation that must look up underneath that, is to give make hospitals semi-autonomous units with their own budgets, responsible for their own HR planning, and ensuring that they have the right capacity within the budget they have to meet the needs that they targeted. Similarly, with these, there's a move to strengthen district systems so that we can reduce the burden on hospitals. You know, one of the biggest things that drive district hospitals in particular is the percentage of patients who are seen in outpatients department having never gone anywhere else in the health system. So we're spending on average sometimes 2,500 per patient day on a patient that we could have seen in primary healthcare, right, at a third or a quarter of that cost. So I think it's like finding these efficiencies and then utilizing the capacity that we have in a much different way. And I think a lot of universities are also looking at seeing how can doctors better be better used in the South African system. And FITS in particular is working on a new program that adds different kinds of skills to the medical curriculum, which includes things like data management, um, health in the community, looking at the patient, not just as they sit in the hospital, but also where they come from and the broader determinants and seeing how we can better utilize these skills to improve management in the public sector. Russell Rensberg, thank you, Director of the Rural Health Advocacy Project. In a moment to respond, Dr. Percy Mahlati from the Health Department. Mediated conversation on SAFM. Eight minutes to nine, the time. Good morning. Continuing your mediated conversation around the way we manage doctors in hospitals. Dr. Percy Mahlati is the Deputy Director General for Hospital Services <coughs> at the National Health Department. Dr. Mahlati, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Curtis, uh, listeners and fellow panelists. You're, you're a doctor, sir. I'm just Stephen. Um, <laughs> do we need to change the way we manage our hospitals and the way we allocate doctors? Actually, we need to change the way that we employ doctors. I think that's a major issue. And two weeks ago, we had met with the provinces, and that's a major anchor policy that we are working actively on because the current mechanism, um, I think, has actually, you know, where it reaches its sell by date. But I think the other thing that we've got to move on is the issues that uh, Russell, Mr. Van Ronspeck, uh, Russell Ronspeck, you know, were raised. Um, especially around ensuring that there is a team approach in the way that we offer health services. At the present moment, really, you find that doctors have got their own system. Of course, they work with the nurses, but if you actually look at it with the other health professionals, the team approach is really lacking or is weak, you know. There are other issues that, uh, you know, uh, any health system would deal with, like migration of doctors is a centuries-old thing. Canadian doctors flock to the U.S. Ours go to the rural parts of, uh, you know, uh, of uh, Canada. You get uh, many colleagues from the African continent coming to South Africa and getting to the rural parts. So I think that we, we, the way we manage the system actually is what we are trying to uh, work on. And mass distribution is a real challenge uh, because part of it, there is choice to it. 
uh, when we allocate computer scientists doctors, some of them, would, some, not many, some would object to being placed, and they would actually raise a variety of reasons. So it's not a situation where you will command that thou shall go to that place and people do not have the ability to actually raise objections. Um, so, I mean, we heard earlier that the organograms in hospitals were last changed in 2009. That's a long time ago, Doctor. I mean, surely we need to sort of update things more often than we have been. No, not all. I mean, uh, there are about two or three provinces that are guilty of uh, that, uh, you know, <laughs> problem. But uh, active work is being done on them uh, around uh, those organ- organograms, both for the pro- pro- provincial departments and the hospitals themselves. And in that instance, uh, the Department of Public Service and Administration is offering, you know, uh, active support to deal with those issues. There's not every, you know, a hospital, not every province. There are just about three of them, two or three of them that they've got that uh, long outstanding problem. So then um, this entire issue, the way we got here is we discover that we've got doctors sitting at home who want to work, who can't find a job in the public health care system. And we know there's a big shortage of doctors in the public health care system. The way the system works at the moment, are all of the positions for doctors uh, full or are some of them vacant? In other words, do we have what would be a budgeted positions that are still vacant? Well, let me put it this way. First of all, the numbers have been fluctuating. Uh, Samato said there was 800 in uh, in January. Yesterday morning, Sama sent us a, a list of 233. I've had the actual saying 343 now. There might have been, a, you know, an increase from yesterday. What I can share with you, Stephen, is actually what Russell said. You cannot... Uh, employ what you cannot find. I'll give you an example. KwaZulu Natal has got uh, vacancies of 119. I mean, they, they need posts, 199 posts. And for those 199, they would need just in excess of 202 million rands per annum. We are not even uh, factoring in over time, you know, uh, in that number. So if uh, KZN would be provided, I'm using it as an example, uh, because they've actually worked out the figure, if they could be provided with that amount of money, they would be able to absorb at least 199, you know, uh, uh, doctors. So I think the issue really is that we can't run away from budgets that are influenced by the state of our economy. And what you do not want to do is to employ somebody and not pay them. That would be the worst crime you can commit. Well, the worst crime you can commit is is not treating someone who really needs treatment. You know, I mean, I hear the point that you're making, but absolutely. But, but so then, okay, you 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 say that there are going to be some changes. I realize it's it's difficult, Doctor Maklati. Um, how long do you think it's going to take before we start to see some of these changes in the way hospitals are run? In other words, how long until the, our management of doctors becomes more efficient? Well, we started the process. The first one, we've basically leveled the playing field between the topmost hospitals in the country, the 10 central hospitals in terms of 
the responsibility, the way they should be governed and all that. We had started with that already last year. It's a progressive, you know, a kind of uh, work that we're working on. Some of the uh, work that we started in earnest now is to say, look, we do not have enough budgets. Let's look internally. Where can we be able to make rearrangements? And I'll be upfront and actually say you would like to get as many doctors into employment but then it means that we must review some of the retention measures, especially the way that we manage and uh, pay overtime for doctors. We will not do away with overtime, but the way that it is done actually has to be reformed. And I cannot give a time frame on that one because it would then be subject to negotiation, you know, with uh, their representatives and all that. But clearly, when you are actually not having enough, you know, uh, money and you are spending in excess of 6 billion rands per annum on overtime, uh, rather review that so that you can get more people in so that less there is less need for overtime and then you can employ more people over a long period of time. Those are some, that's just one example of what we're doing. Dr. Percy Maklati, thank you. Deputy Director General for Hospital Services in the National Health Department. My thanks also to Russell Rensberg, the Director of the Rural Health Advocacy Project. And starting us off today, Dr. Mvisi Mzukwa, Chair of the South African Medical Association.